0: Welcome to episode four of the Presidents Club Sales Podcast. Uh, my name is Jason Mangold. I'm joined once again by Jason Panici. How's it going, Jason? Great. How you doing? Doing well, man. Uh, another. Uh, it's a new year. Yeah,
1: 2017. We, <laughs> we, we got we got out of 2016 alive and well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some of us. It's good. <laughs> so.
1: some of us did, yeah. Not all of
0: us. Yeah. So uh, as we. Quite a year. Yeah, it was it's been an interesting year. Uh professionally, it was a, a great year for me. Uh I had a, a good year overall, but I think uh I think there was definitely some people that are uh happy 2016s behind them.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I I would be one of them. You know, I had I had my my ups and downs in 2016. Uh you know, I had a business that you're you, you're aware of that, that yeah. just really kind of went south. I had to kind of start over again. So, you know, I'm kind of glad to,
0: be, to have that behind me. Yep, yep. I was there with you, so I, I don't definitely know the feeling, but I think we're both going in the right direction. it yeah. it's be pretty good. Yep. So, so um, yeah. So, uh, again, this is episode four, as we said uh, in our last episode. You can find us on Twitter at Pres Club Sales. That's P-R-E-S Club Sales. Feel free to shoot us a direct message with any questions you have or any topics you'd like us to cover. You can also find us at www.PresidentsClubSales.com. Uh, also you know find me at jason mangled on linkedin i uh, always have blog posts up there as well as on the website so uh, you know really appreciate it and any uh, any questions you have feel free to reach out this week uh we des- we decided to talk a little bit uh, about email, uh, both email marketing and and ways to kind of directly connect with your your contacts. So, both kind of warm and cold emails and and ways to attack out there. So, I think it's a, a pretty big topic and something that I, I think is discussed quite a bit in in the, in the sales world. And uh, Jason and I here talk here to talk to you about a few things that we worked for us and things that we think will uh, will be successful for you as well. So, yeah, um, no, absolutely, absolutely, Jason. So. Um, I think the you know kind of the first conver- the conversation piece inside of this is, you know, the the difference between kind of your your mass emails, which is a lot of in my head, or it, that usually comes from kind of the marketing department. So kind of your mass going to send out to a huge audience, and then kind of that individual email, right? And I think those are really the two things. And sometimes sales fee- people get lost in that. They kind of they start doing kind of a spray and pray. Type email campaign on their own, and I think that should be left a little bit to the marketing department. Uh, What's what's your thoughts on that, Jason?
1: You know, I really think it's it's dependent on the market that you're selling into and the product that you sell. You know, lower price point products. If it's a B two C type product, um, I think there can be some space for the sales rep to be to be shooting out mass email or to have a regular mass you know email drip campaign going. Um, but but on the more higher end product and strategic side, if you're a business to business sales rep with a with a decent sized annual contract value that you're trying to sell, then I think uh, you know spray and pray is is not going to be your best bet. So it really just depends on on who you are and what you're selling. But I think for most of our listeners, since you know we're, we're the president's club podcast, right? I think. <laughs> I think spray and pray is going to be—it's uh, not going to be the right strategy to the president's club. Um, you know, again, if you're in the B2B world, you really have to be targeted and focused, and and that's going to help you differentiate yourself from all the other salespeople who are out there and uh, using a spray and pray method, right? Or, or using just just email templates that are obviously generic and and they're sending the same email to, to all of their prospects. So I, I really feel like you know, um, targeted is the right way to go, and that's where I've seen the most success.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think, um, and I, I definitely think in a B two B world, that's the way you, you you have to have to really go about it. I think there's definitely some advantages to spray and pray from a marketing standpoint, um, but I think you yeah. know you should kind of keep your name off of that um, as the kind of the direct sender. Um, so I think one of the things that that I've found with, with marketing in general, and this comes back to a conversation we're going to have around subject lines and all that sort of stuff, the number one thing to getting, well, there's a few things, to getting your emails read, um, it really comes down to your reputation, right, and how well the person knows you, knows your product. Um, to figure out if they're willing to open up what you're sending or not. And that's ultimately what's going to happen, right? Because most, most emails, as we know, aren't, aren't even getting open. People aren't checking them. It's it's really, it becomes a numbers game, but you also have to be very targeted with that with that numbers game, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, three or four years ago, um, you could be definitely uh, less targeted and still have success. I think the market has, has shifted now where, email is is being treated like the, the new cold call right if it's if it's an uninformed email and it and it looks generic it's it's not going to get open and I think I think that's what a lot of sales reps are experiencing now is what they were doing and what they were seeing you know success in is, is no longer working so they have to change that and, and a lot of that goes back to to what you just said about subject lines and, and how you're how you're conveying yourself and your message right so so marketing is important i think marketing is you know getting your brand and your image out there and it's going to help with that credibility but it's not going to do it all right it's definitely right. not going to do the selling for you that's something that the sales rep still has to do on their own and they have to be willing to take that that next step to find out what's going to spur the decision maker to want to open that email
0: yeah absolutely and I think there's a, a few pieces of this. I, I recently read um, uh, read a book by Ian Brody, and he talked about when I was kind of researching this topic a little bit more, and he talked about a few things. Um, one of the, the main pieces of that was we're talking about subject lines and making sure we're engaged is there's really two things that you need to, you know, focus on. And that's, you know, the benefit to the client. And whether or not it's 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 going to spark their curiosity, right? So they're not going to open an All email right. and look at it unless a there's a clear benefit, and b there's some kind of curiosity behind it. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And and you know uh, I I think that's something that I've started even as I after I read that I've started doing as I'm sending out emails, creating subject lines, putting kind of the beginning of that is is deciding, you know, hey, what's the benefit to the client? If there is a clear benefit there, right? right and B, is is what I'm saying going to spark curiosity to the person, and I think that's something that's that's been really beneficial to me as I'm trying to craft messaging. Um, and you only have, right, when you're sending an email, you've got like three to five seconds. They're not gonna read a whole paragraph of something that they don't see benefit or, or doesn't spark their interest.
1: No. No, they're not gonna spend probably, yeah, more than two seconds on it if it's, if it's just another sales rep in their mind, they're just gonna delete it. Um, and, and that's the difference, right? You have to really work hard to separate yourself and get noticed. You got to stand out from the crowd, right?
0: Right. And the other thing you have to you have to make sure is it's something that they don't already know, right? Because if they already know the information, um, it's, it's not worth their time to read it, right? So you have to give something yeah. that's that's going to be new. Um, I think a lot of times from marketing departments and from you know even individual you know sales reps or you know account executives um we send out information uh like hey the top these are the top 10 trends in technology this season right and you send that to a cio and the cio may already know the top 10 trends in technology right but if you say something to the nature of the uh, the top 10 subject lines that are leading to cybersecurity hacks you know something of that nature a top 10 uh, end user mistakes that lead to a cybersecurity attack. Those sort of things might be a little bit more engaging to the person than more of a holistic. Hey, they already know the information.
1: Yeah, and I would even say um, you need to dig deeper than that. Um, you know, I think where a lot of where a lot of salespeople go wrong, myself included. Uh, this is something that I've learned through through time and, and trial and error. Is surface level marketing just really doesn't grab their attention. So to your point, you know, the top 10, um, technology trends for 2017, while it may be a nice read, it's not really going to be super captivating to a, to a C level executive who's been in the business for 15, 20 years. Now if there's some new compliance or regulatory uh, requirement out there, that's literally brand new, uh, for 2017, that may be something that you could educate them on that they may find appealing. So it's getting past the surface level stuff and digging deeper to find out what is truly new in the market that may mean something to that C-level executive and who that C-level executive, he or she may not have the time or have not may have not brushed up on that particular topic yet. And if you can come in and educate them before they actually have a chance to to do it for themselves, you're bringing value to them, right? You're, you're saving them time. You're, you're giving them information that's valuable to them for their business. That that's somebody that people are going to want to invite in to talk further with, um, you know, just just sending over something about cybersecurity or, you know, technology trends, I could take it or leave it. Right. right. If, I, if I'm a C level guy, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, but, you know, if I if I have something that I'm required to do from from the government and it's, you know, related to technology and, and you're educating me on that, well that that's gonna that's gonna be something I'm gonna react to.
0: And that's a good point. And that comes back to what we're talking about, right? That's 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 hitting their benefits, right? Something that benefits them yep. directly. Um, there's another component there is time, which I think we can do a whole nother episode on time at some point. But you're you're saving them, you know. You're saving the the end user, the the person that you're marketing out to, uh, time. So that's a that's a huge benefit to them. So yeah, it's exactly it. And it right. also comes back to your point of hey, let's let's dig a little deeper. So know who your audience are. Know exactly what their what their job role and what what's important to them. I think that's that's incredibly incredibly important. Just sending out blanket information about your company, your product. Uh, unless you're in a very, very consumer-friendly, um, low-dollar item uh, sale, that's just not going to work, right? Because it, it they don't no, care, no. they're going to lose the time, and, and you just see it way too often. Now, there could be a case where you guys are having like a huge, you know, if, it's a, if you're selling a widget or selling a product and you're having a huge sale on it, um, and you know you can market to people that could be in the market for what you're doing, that's when it makes sense to lead with your product, but in general... Um, you know, in general, that's not the, that's not the right way to do it. Um, you need to find out something that's going to be very beneficial to that person immediately, uh, and send that information out. Cause again, they don't, they don't really care about your company. They just care about fixing their need or f- figuring out what, you know, what's in it for them. I think that's with them something we've talked, I mean, we've been ingrained in us as salespeople since we were probably 18 years old. Uh, and it still holds true. You got to figure out what, what's in it for the client or they're not gonna, they're not gonna pay any attention.
1: Right. And I think we need to, to touch on that because so so benefits i think when most people salespeople, hear the word benefits what what comes to mind is you know oh well, we've helped increase productivity by 25 percent or we've helped reduce costs um by 30 percent and we've done we've done x y or z right that's
0: benefited right. the client in, in but those are general benefit statements right and and
1: and I think, again, there's a, there's a shift in sales where those don't really resonate any
0: longer. Not they out the gate. To. Those resonate later, right? Once you're engaged with a client, they're going to want to know Correct. what you've done for other clients. But if you're leading with that from a marketing, or when, you know, when I say marketing, I even just mean an individual marketing, that's not when it's going to make sense. It makes sense later in the sales cycle, right?
1: Correct. When you're trying to show value and, and ROI when, when you're in the negotiating and the closing stage, Those those benefit statements are gonna have a lot of power, but if you're prospecting with those, they don't really, they used to resonate, but they don't really have much Mm -hmm. of an effect anymore. Um, What you need to do is you need to tailor it specifically to your prospect. Find out something that's compelling to to them, right? Can't be a generic type of a benefit. So I think from that perspective, those benefits have, have shifted a little bit. Um, and I know there's still people out there in today's world that are teaching prospecting, using those types of benefit statements, right? I mean, you, got, you have to have some sort of value prop, and you have to build in that that type of a benefit statement. Um, and, I, I, and I don't think that's compelling
0: anymore. It's not, from from what I'm seeing, it's not working. No, yeah, it's, it, you're exactly right. I, I agree. It has to be something. It, it has to be something that hits them in the gut, right? For it to be compelling, yeah. it has to be like something that's going to affect. Their time, their money—you know—some kind of benefit to the client, um, and that's the way you're going to be. That's what you need to be leading with. Um, and you know, and I think the worst thing you can do too is, you know, you don't lead with anything that's a benefit. And, and what what happens in all these emails? You're always asking for a meeting at the end of these emails, right? And yeah. uh, why would somebody take? You know, a they're not going to get to the point to read the email where it says, "Hey, let's have a meeting." But secondly, why, you know, why would you be cocky enough to say, to think that a C-level executive is going to have a meeting with you, um, you know, if there's nothing that's, there's no value for them inside of it or there's no benefit to them directly. They don't care that you've done this with XYZ company. They want something that's going to affect them right here and right now.
1: No, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think some of that has to change too, um, I know there's a lot of people out there that always advocate having a call to action in every email you send. I don't know if that's that's absolutely 100% necessary in every email. I think some emails you should have a call to action, but I don't think, you know, in every email you should be asking for something to return, right? Sometimes you should literally just be sending the email to, to help educate the customer and warm up a call for later on down the road.
0: Well, and it, again, it comes back to you need to know what your the goal of the email you're sending is. And there are, when I was talking yeah. about reputation earlier, there is there is a benefit to sending stuff out that is valued to a client because that gets your name out in front of the client, right? And that's fine. like if you if you are you're sending something that's not directly related to your company, but it you know is going to get there, right, through something that's that's valued to your client. There is there's there's a lot of good that can come from sending that out and having your name attached to it as the person that's helping out this C level executive because when you do make a phone call later or you do send a more direct email, there's going to be more value behind your name.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the phone call piece is, is important to, to touch on as well. So, you know, you said what's the goal of the email. We have to understand that the email is not going to do the selling for you, right? You still you still have to follow that up with other prospecting methods. And that's got to be phone or, or other avenues like LinkedIn um, or other social media platforms to try to get this decision maker you're trying to reach to take notice of you and understand that you bring value and that it makes sense to, to speak with you. Um, I think far too often, you know, one of the things that the sales reps are falling pray to is that um, the email is enough, right? If I send out 100 emails, 100 targeted emails in a week, that should be plenty for me to get enough warm leaves to fill the top of my funnel. And, and I think anybody who's been in sales long enough knows that that's, that's uh, a recipe for disaster, right? That's not going to happen. Um, you, you really have to be going back after them through some other
0: channel to try to keep that, keep in front of them. Yeah, that, that's a good point, too. When we talk about goals of emailing, I so I personally think the days of just pounding the phone, you know, cold calling, cold calling, calling, those those days are completely over. I think there has to be... They are, yeah. Yeah, um, but that said, the way that you, you know, you sell or you make these huge deals, it's by human interaction, right? So you have to you have to find a way to have a direct conversation with your client. And that usually starts with an email as an introduction as to get your name out there and make them understand who you are. But the way that the selling is going to take place is going to be through a phone call or a meeting, right? That needs to happen through face-to-face conversation or, or phone-to-phone, voice-to-voice, right? Um, and that, that has to be your goal. Like you said, email's not going to be doing the selling for you. It's going to be It's going to open the door for you and i think that's that's a big piece too is is we you hear from a lot of you know leaders or you know c level executives whoever you're marketing to and i think in general cold calling is looked it, it's looked pretty negatively these days. If somebody just cold calls into them, they pick up the phone, you're going to get a rebuttal from them. However, if they recognize your name from emails or there's been something that is is that that is triggering something in their head from you or your company, that call is going to go a lot differently and and you're not going to have that negative, you know, those negative connotations to it. So phone calls and having phone conversations, having meetings, face-to-face, that's really, those are still the most effective way to sell uh, but they're not the the best way to open that door and and, and get through. The, the real gatekeeper now is just getting to the phone at this point, right? Um, and I think that's that's really yeah. the the goal of where the emailing comes in.
1: Right. There's a lot more barriers to entry in today's market than there ever has been in the past. So, um, but at the same time, we also have these other platforms that that we have at you know at our leisure where we can just sit down at a computer and and hop on LinkedIn and, and start messaging away, right, or, or connecting away and, and get people, you know, engaging with us that way. So while there's more, you know, um, gatekeepers in place to keep us away from the decision makers, there's actually also platforms on the other end that make it easier for us to connect with them as well. So
0: Yeah, I would argue um, that it, it, it's it's easier than ever to get in touch with your target person. Uh, I would say it's, I, I would argue that it's it's and I think that's what you're saying. I think it's if I have a if I go through a targeted list of companies and I find a even if it's a C-level executive at that company, I can find a way to get in touch face to like get touch voice to voice or person to person with that person, um, no matter who it is. Right. I, I think it's it's much easier these days to do that. Uh, but like you said, there there are there's it's much it's very easy for them to just delete it as well. Right. Correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's very easy to do that from a digital standpoint. So, right. you know, you can do it via email. It's very easy to find their email addresses. It's very easy to find their, their LinkedIn profile. It's easy to find them on Twitter. And, and you can message them very easily through those channels. You can connect with them very easily through those channels. I think what's harder than ever, though, is getting what you were talking about, that that sales conversation on the phone with the decision maker that everybody now is just so so digital and they don't want to engage in that that I don't want to say old-fashioned but, but I guess for lack of a better term that old-fashioned way, right? so so getting them to engage in that is very, very challenging at least that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing other sales reps that are also having that that same problem where, they can't seem to get people to want to either have a phone call or meet as, as much as they used to years back.
0: Well, there's a couple sides of this, and, and it and again, it really depends who you're targeting. Um, but it, it comes back, again, to the benefit to the client. So, you know, where, where you struggle sometimes with smaller companies is that so – so let me – I'll take a little bit of a step back you need to a you need to be able to go and you need to be where they are right so a lot of those are end up being cio summits they end up being uh, events all that sort of stuff you need to find a way to get in front of your audience and find out where they will be because what has happened um and it it's a real struggle for smaller companies is all these executives are now used to being treated like kings or queens right i mean if uh, you know a, a Fortune 100 company wants to sell to a C-level executive of another Fortune 100 company, they are going to spend an exuberant amount of money to get in front of that person and find a benefit for them to get in front of you. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with
0: that. Absolutely. And so that's where the struggle happens with probably the majority of people that are listening to this podcast probably don't work for a Fortune 100 company. And that's where that struggle comes for a small business, or a smaller business, or somebody that's entrepreneurial. That sort of stuff is how do you play in that realm? And you need to, uh, you need to, you need to figure out a, a targeted way to get in front of them and figure out where what they are doing and, and get in front of them at that event. So it, it could be something like a CIO summit. It could be a tech event. Um, but it also could be figure out how they use technology. Uh, you know, especially in consumer-based sales, start using things like Twitter, you know, use use ways uh, or start engaging with them on LinkedIn on their blog posts or different groups they're in. Find out what they do. I, I'm connected with uh, a C-level executive. I connected him with through a beer app on my phone. I mean, <laughs> those are ways you have to you have to find out what, and, and you know, it's just a common interest. I don't think we're, we probably will never do business, I you know, or anything, but you know, we found common interest, and there, there's going to be, you know, there could be a reason for us to connect by by doing those sort of things.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know the other thing too is is that you have to leverage your network, of course, right? So finding who the C level, if you're trying to play, especially in that Fortune 100 space, I, I mean, I'm going to go out of the limb, and it's probably not much of a stretch to say that most of those C level executives aren't meeting with people that they don't know. Right. or have not been introduced to. Um, so, you know, if you're playing at that level, you, you have to be really playing the referral game extremely well. Extremely well, if you're going to be successful. So you really have to, to leverage your network. I mean, you know, cold calling, I don't think is going to play well in that space at all. It, it barely plays in the SMB space like it, like it used to. Uh, it's certainly not going to play in the Fortune 100 level. So... For me, you know, if, if I were in that space, I would just be constantly trying to to get warm referrals from, from within my network to try to get me in front of those folks. And then I would also tap into the same channels that you just mentioned. In addition to working the referral angle, I would also be doing Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and trying to get in front of them that way, and then going out to events that I know they're going to as well, uh, and try to meet them
0: that way. And that in the B2B space these days, if you're not incredibly targeted about who you're contacting, um, you're going to be in a lot of trouble, right? And that that's when we talk about going to targeted events, you need to know who your who your ideal client is and you need to do everything to appease the, those select few people. Um, the days of spray and pray, whether it's cold calling, emailing, all those sort of things in a B2B market, they're, they're done. Um, just because they're, again, it's, there's so much intelligence out there a it's all at your fingertips If you're not doing it you know you're, you're a little bit lazy with that right um yeah. but uh by the same token you know that that's what our clients expect these days right and if you get on the phone with uh you know a c-level executive and you have that you know the, the luxury of doing that and you don't know anything about their business you don't know anything about them it's it's not going to go well for you, right? Those things are expected these days, and and you're going to get probably laughed at behind closed doors. So
1: yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's just uh, it's just a different world, right? So I think you just have to approach it much more strategically, and and just have fewer prospects. It's uh, you know, it's not. A, it's not a world anymore where you're gonna work a list of a thousand prospects or even five hundred prospects, right? I mean you need to be you need to be focused in on a list of two hundred or less and and really listening closely to what's going on with those accounts and being in tune with with what they're up to in order to to resonate and get in front of them.
0: So when we, you know, we talked about a lot of these sort of things, you know, let's talk about kind of the exactly what you're doing, right, when you're talking, when you're reaching out to clients. And I think that starts, the number one thing it starts out with is your subject line when you're sending it out. And, you know, Jason pointed out, you know, the number one way to get in front of people is, especially in the Fortune 100 space, is going to be through referrals, right? and someone recognizing your name. So the, the best thing you can do from a subject line standpoint is literally put that into your subject line, right? So yeah, this, absolutely. Is, this is Jason Panici, I met you at XYZ Fest or XYZ Event, uh, and they probably won't remember you, right? They may, or, unless it was just something they were like, oh my God, I've been looking for this forever. They're probably not gonna remember you, but if you have that, hey, this is this is Jason, I met you here, uh, that's going to be much more engaged, and they're going to know it's something directly to them, and it's much more likely that's going to get opened. Or let's say, yeah. you know, a lot of C-level executives do have, um, you know, a- administrative employees that are working for them that may be monitoring their email. If they see it's directly, you know, hey, I met you here. Remember we talked about this. That's something that's going to get forwarded on to the, you know, the C-level to actually open, right?
1: Yeah, and I would uh, I would say you could just so if you met them at an event, you don't have to put your name in the subject. Just say, hey, hey John. I would put their name in the subject. Hey John, we met at X Y Z event. Yep. And and just leave that as your subject, right? Um, that's going to be pretty compelling. They're going to look at that and say, oh, okay, I I know this gentleman. You know, we we met, and and they're at least going to open the email, right? It's not it's not a guaranteed response. There's, there's no such thing as a silver bullet, but they're at least going to open the email and look to see who you are and what you're asking or what your, you know, content in the email is about. So, so if you use that type of a strategy with your subject, your email should get a much higher open rate.
0: And you can do the same thing. And it's the same thing through referrals, right? And when we talk about why it's so important to get a referral, it's a lot better if you say, Hey John, this is Jason. I, you know, if you say, um, Hey, John. Uh, I was requested to talk to you from Susie Waters in this department, right? Correct. If you had yes. something like that in the subject line, that's going to be way more useful. Now what, way more useful. way more useful now here here's the reason I, I, mean, AI, I think that's very important to talk about, but here's another thing that I reason I want to bring this up. You also need to actually know Susie Waters and have talked to Susie Waters, right? (laughs) In the other department, because there's also a very there's books written about this. I've I've listened to it. You know, I've listened to podcasts. Um, There's a whole idea right now of you basically contact five to seven decision makers and you use their different names to get someone to respond to you, right? That's a that's a type of. Outbound contacting—that's really, really uh, been doing pretty well. And then a lot of people have been doing it. I personally am not a huge fan of that uh, because I don't think it's appropriate to use someone that you have no contact with, uh, and I think it hurts your—you know—it can really hurt your reputation. Um, and there's there's more chances that you may never work with that company again than the benefit of getting someone just to respond to you and act like they know you. Um, what? You know, what are your thoughts on that, Jason? Have you tried stuff like that? Have you heard about that?
1: Um, I wouldn't recommend doing that. I, I wouldn't be a fan. Um, I, I should say I'm not a fan. I think it's uh, it's going to come back and haunt you when that person hears that you're you're using their name to get in front of somebody and you haven't you haven't verified that with them or confirmed that it's okay to do that. Um, and and I agree, it's going to hurt your reputation in the long run. So. I think the better way to approach that is, is to get permission from the person and ask if, if it's okay to use their name. And, you know, if you can, you know, if you have a decent relationship with that individual, it shouldn't be a problem to reach out to them and, and say, you know, do you mind if I use your name or, or, or let them know that we know each other so that I can get in front of them. And and this should be fine. Right. Um, so I, I would, if you're not comfortable going and asking them, I would I would question how solid your relationship is with that person.
0: Yeah, and I don't even necessarily sorry. know if it matters if it's a great relationship. I think a big piece of you know, we talk about bottom down and top up prospecting. When somebody uh or sorry, bottom up and top down, sorry. Um <laughs> sure. but I think when you do I know what you meant. Yeah, yeah, just make sure the audience the audience does. Um <laughs> You know, when you're doing bottom-up prospecting, that could be the benefit of bottom-up prospecting. It can be that hey, you get somebody at a coordinator level or management level that will talk to you, and you just you know, basically the whole point of that conversation is to get their name for a referral, right? Um, but that should be your your focus when you're doing bottom-up prospecting is so that you can say. Um, hey, I spoke with Michael. So then, you know, Michael, you know, the IT manager. He told me to contact you because you're the decision maker. Well, you know, in that subject line, you could say, uh, you know, Jason from CompT, or Jason from the company. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Mike, a referral from Michael or whatever, right? I think that's, um, I think that's pretty powerful stuff to get your your email opened.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's fine. I think you know another approach too is. And, and I think this is what a lot of people are, are starting to, to go towards is having the person that you want write the email for you. So you want the person you want to do the referral, yeah. having them do the actual introduction via email. Um, that, that way, you know, it doesn't come off contrived, doesn't come off like a salesperson trying to use an angle. The, the person is actually doing a warm introduction, right? They're doing a, a, an actual warm referral and the contact can see that, and that's going to open up more doors, I think, than if the salesperson is just saying, "Hey, I know Tim. Um, Tim said you know I should reach out to you." And a lot of those tactics are—they're still older tactics, right? I mean, people have been doing that for for years, decades. Um, but having somebody actually compose uh, a warm email introduction or a warm LinkedIn introduction. That's a bit newer, right? It's a bit more of a modern approach. And I think it's probably going to resonate more with uh, with the c level executive or the decision maker,
0: right? And and I guess and it, obviously that's a perfect world if you can get them if you can get them to forward the message or to come directly to them. That is that is obviously the best way you need to do it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, that's a great point, Jason. That that should be the you know the the first first thing that you're talking about. So well, it's
1: so easy to do in in, in today's world. I mean, if you are asking people for warm introduction on, on LinkedIn I mean all they have to do is uh, all they basically have to do is just add you in to you know the, the conversation right they just put your name in there it's that simple they just type your name in and you're, you're a part of the conversation
0: yeah so yeah, that's good and I think pretty so, easy. so I think the other side so this is a great world where we got a referral in but let's talk about subject lines when we have you know we really don't have that referral we don't have Um, And we're not just going to make up Susie Waters because we saw their title, right? Um, So what are the subject lines we use there? Well, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier is we need to make sure those subject lines, A, have a benefit and they spark curiosity, right? I think those are the two things that you need to ask yourself when writing a subject line. And you also need to make sure that something inside of that is in the first two sentences because that's all they're going to see is subject line they're going to look at the first sentence or two and say, "Hey, is this something I care about?" and then they're going to move on. Would you agree with that, Jason?
1: I would, yeah. I agree totally. 100%.
0: So, that's the um, qu- question I want you guys asking yourself is when you're writing those subject lines, writing your first two sentences, just kind of do that hand check, right? Benefit and curiosity, and you're going to know, you're going to know your audience better for your direct, you know, your whatever you're selling. You're going to know that better than Jason and I will, but I think that's, that, that should be kind of your mental check. Um, anything to kind of add to that, Jason?
1: I mean, no, I think it's exactly right. Um, I, I think you're spot on there. There's really not much I could add to that, that point. I mean, the only other thing I would go back to the referral topic is just to say that, you know, another thing you can do to help ease the pain a little bit there is if you're asking people to do warm introductions for them, write the email yourself, right? Have it already drafted up and let them know if you could just forward this or send this, um, have the subject line already composed and ready to go, and, and it should be pain-free for the person doing the referral. All they have to do is either copy and paste or, or just forward it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and just you know, just have that conversation with them and don't make it too pushy. And if they don't want to do it, that's fine to say, hey, can I use your name, right? Um, but, yeah, just make that as, as painless and effortless for the person uh, as possible. Right, Absolutely so um we'll go into some you know some topics through the email but one other thing i wanted to ask you about is uh your your feeling on uh in messaging and linkedin as it pulls into emailing because the question that i've get i've had countlessly or is is from people that don't don't have their company paid pay for their linkedin right I, i've been lucky enough to have some companies that will will fund it uh, i've also not had companies that would fund it and i've had that only my own internal question is their value in, in the paid services for LinkedIn. Um, and really, the benefits that you get with the paid services for LinkedIn are, hey, I can see who's viewed my, you know, who's viewed my, uh, my who's looked at me, who's viewed my profile. Uh, but really, the biggest benefit for salespeople is the in-messaging, right? And that's direct messaging to uh, decision-makers or whoever you want on LinkedIn that aren't in your immediate network. So what have, what's been your your experience with that, Jason?
1: Well, I would first off say that the days of companies not funding LinkedIn should be over. I think all yeah. companies, if you're if you're running a sales organization, um, you should be funding LinkedIn for your sales reps. Um, in addition to that, I would say they should also be funding LinkedIn Sales Navigator as an add-on. Agreed. It's just it's just mandatory in today's environment that your reps have that at their disposal. Um, so you're you're at a significant disadvantage if you're a sales organization. You're not doing that a, a significant disadvantage. So so that's one. Uh, two, I would say it's you know my my experience with using inmail and my experience with uh, using LinkedIn in general has been very powerful, um, and I think it continues to evolve and become even more powerful. It's. Uh, it's a great way to, to warm up prospects, to get them to see who you are, to uh, to visit your profile and understand that you're reputable and that there's someone you're someone that they would want to speak with. So um, I think the problem that I see with LinkedIn is that people aren't using it effectively. And by that, I mean they're either wasting a whole ton of time using it ineffectively. So they're on it all the time, but they're not they are not really doing anything right they're not really trying prospect they're just clicking buttons on social media and then uh the other side of it is there's no there's no endorsement for management so there's really no strategy behind it so people just ignore it
0: i would agree with you and i think um so I want to get, I want to pull the conversation a little bit into in messaging versus email in a second, and I think we can do a whole another. I think literally we do a whole another episode on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> um, I think we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Uh, but I will say, you know, the the big benefit to LinkedIn, if you guys aren't using it, I mean, first thing, use it. You know, all the information there is directly from the person, right? So the the C level executive has actually gone on there. Put the information so you know it's all relevant it's it's all up to date it's relevant information so you should be utilizing that so personally you know so the question comes into is it worth the money i, I personally think it is one way or the other if you're working in a b2b environment because you're going to be able to touch people that you're you you just can't find emails for It's just in and, and you're going to be able to get them to open that directly and i think that yeah. conversation needs to be the same way your email is but i've I always start the conversation when I, when I finally get it very targeted and I know I'm reaching out to the right person. I know I'm going to ask them for a meeting. As long as I still have LinkedIn messaging, uh, LinkedIn in-messages available, I always start that conversation on LinkedIn as opposed to email. Because I, I think it, um, and, and my response rate is much higher. I mean, I probably have a response rate over 10% on LinkedIn for in-messaging. And I can guarantee you're not getting a 10% response rate anywhere on direct emailing.
1: No, no. I think your yeah your response rate on, on LinkedIn is going to be much higher. I mean that's going to go for for everything on, on LinkedIn, right? I mean whether or not the connections. I mean my connections uh, response rate is through the roof. I think I'm getting like sixty percent on my connection requests. So it's it's very high, and you're not gonna you're not gonna connect like that anywhere else. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. not gonna happen. Um, and you know my profile views. Are, are high. I think that's important too, is keeping your profile views high. But, but in, in terms of you know looking at email versus inmail, I don't think there's any comparison there. The only thing that, that I would say is that it, it's just very limited with in-mail, right? You're only going to get twenty or twenty five a month, depending on what your subscription level is.
0: Yep. But yeah, they're definitely yeah, with very email, powerful. You
1: know, it's unlimited. So.
0: Yep. I've had much, I mean, just looking back to my pipeline, I mean, a lot of the people that come through my pipeline, it really started with LinkedIn. And you think about how few LinkedIn in-messages I send compared to how many emails I send. Uh, And it's not, you know, it's night and day, right? But still, when I look at my funnel, a lot more of those started through LinkedIn. So just kind of a, you know, a topic out there for you guys. You Utilize your in-messaging. If you are lucky enough to have your company, and like you said, I think most companies are paying for it, but some smaller companies may still not be. Um, you know, if you are lucky enough to get that and you're not utilizing all of your in-messages every month, what are you doing, right? You need to make sure that you're you're, you're utilizing those because those are much more powerful than a straight email would be. So I think the LinkedIn piece is really, you know, really important when you're 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 talking about how it integrates with the the emails and messaging. Um, and so one of the things I wanted to get back to a little bit is, uh, you know, once we actually get into writing the emails and and moving on to more of a, you know, client facing conversation, and it doesn't matter if you're on LinkedIn or if you're on email or, or what you're doing, um, you know, one of the things I've heard that's kind of interesting is. Um, you know, leaving off the "hi" and and one of the guys I talk about a lot, Jeb Blunt, he talks about that all the time. He says, you know, if you you start off with "hi," my name's Jason, or "hi," you know, or sorry, not "hi," my name's Jason, but "hi," Jim, that automatically says that you're a you're near a marketer or somebody that's coming out and and you know trying to solicit to somebody. Because uh, when you email, and I actually never thought about this before, because when I do internal emails to coworkers that sort of stuff, I usually just think it's polite to say "hi." But I think you know one of the things he talks about is, you know, when you do it internally, it's just like Jim," or you just say, Susie, those sort of things. You don't say, "Hi, Susie, Hi, Jim. And it's been interesting. It's something I've been trying for the last couple of weeks, and it's it's been, you know, it's been okay, and, and it's it's just something that I want to put out there, too, for everyone. I think it's, uh you know, it's a good tip that I've I heard from, you know, from some of the podcasts and things that I listen to that I think could be pretty useful for, for people. So, you know, that's another thing I would say is try leaving off the high when you're messaging, and I know it sounds like kind of a, you know, a quick tip thing that, you know, may or may not be, because I don't know if there's a, you know, silver bullet for any of these things, but... Something to you know, something to kind of try out, and something that might work out for you. So, um, so that's something that you know that I've been doing about, I've been doing quite a bit lately. Uh, and another thing I'll say is, you know, don't worry when you're sending out a whole bunch of these emails, you're sending out a whole bunch of LinkedIn messages. You know, don't worry if you're not getting an immediate response, because it comes back to what we were talking about before with reputation. That you know, just as the more that you get these things out to, you know, to your clients and to the the C level executives that you're looking for, you're working with. Uh, the more you're going to kind of get your name out there and more people are going to know you. And I, I think that's very, very useful. So keep you know, make sure you're not overwhelming clients with a whole bunch of different emails, but by the same token, don't get you know don't beat yourself up. And I think another thing that we run into a lot is you know you, you're you're working at the end of the month and you know you haven't heard anything or end of the month or end of the quarter or whenever your your quota cycle ends and you haven't heard anything on the deal that you're hoping to close, or you may have given a hard date for something to close, and you, know, you haven't heard anything back from them, and you hear your, your leadership, or your manager, or whoever you're working with, they start getting on you about, hey, what, what's going on with that deal? Or, or are you gonna get this, you know, is this gonna come in? Is it not gonna come in? Go find out for me. You've gotta really you know, be careful about that, right? Don't, don't let leadership, or don't let management push you to the point where you're going out and putting that pressure back on your client uh, and sending out another email saying hey you know what's going on with this or or whatever because clients are going to close on in their own time and you know you should have already had that conversation where you, you know what's happening but if it's not coming in when you thought the sale was going to come in going back and and being pushy just because leadership's asking you to those things are not going to play out well for you right because that that very uh, that panic or whatever coming from that, those things can be heard from from leader, you know, from C level executives or decision makers on the other side. Um, and if they feel like you're pushing them, they're probably not going to um, they're not going to react well to you. And you might you might end up losing the deal just because somebody was you know somebody had a family emergency or it just simply they couldn't you know they couldn't make the buying decision at that point. And then one of two things are going to happen. They're going to come back to you, uh, you know, a week later, wanting to purchase. And what are you going to do? Say, no, I'm not going to take that because I gave you a hard deadline. Um, and then if you do end up taking the deal, you look you look a little silly. Or the the other thing is, you know, they might just never come back to you again because they felt like you were you were pushing it too hard. So decision, you know, just understand that that decision is going to come on their time. And if you you know if you get that that feedback from leadership that you need to be pretty pushy and you need to get an answer, you know, honestly, you shouldn't put that back onto your client and don't, don't send another email. Don't try to get those things out because it's just not going to, it's not going to end great. So I think that's a good piece for, that I kind of wanted to lead off, you know, leave off with you guys on. So to kind of recap some of the things we talked about today is, you know, make sure when you're doing the emailing, you know, you're talking, you're thinking about benefit and you're thinking of curiosity. Um, you know, and utilize any of the LinkedIn in messages that you have um, at your disposal, because if you're not utilizing those, I think you're, you know, you're definitely leaving some stuff on the table. And then, you know, just know that at the end of the day, those are your deals, whether or not, you know, these these last minute deals close, and if you're getting a lot of pushback from your, your leadership on last minute deals, if you go back and show that real the, all that panic back to your clients, you're just going to end up hurting your own dollar and your own, you know, your own quota and your own pocketbook if you go back and put that pressure back on your clients. So I think that's another good piece for you to leave off on. So uh, again, I want to thank everybody for listening for uh, episode four here of this, the President's Club Sales Podcast. I want to thank Jason Panici for joining me again today. Uh, and if you guys need anything, look, at, you can find us at www.presidentsclubsales or you can hit us up on Twitter at club sales that's p-r-e-s club sales feel free to shoot us a direct message and we'll uh we'll be happy to cover any topics that you um that you wish to have covered so again thank you for joining us and have a good week